Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, toys and dogs, to Respawn Aim Fire and the barf episode for the month of April. Hi, we are the Kick-Ass Reverend Gaming Podcast, brought to you by Affable Idiots, and this is where we talk about Respawn and Friends backlog accomplishments, or if you rearrange those words, it forms barf. The month of April, over on Patreon.com, you asked us to play Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin, and um, we did. And so this is us talking about it. I'm one of your hosts, Chad, Michael, mm, Killing Chaos, Ennis. We've got our other host here, uh, Adam, Killing Chaos, Gumby. How are you, Adam? Good. All right. I, this is a barf episode. We're going to get to Final Fantasy Teen Fuckers Battlelock. Oh, but look at this. So jealous. I got a tall boy, Hard Mountain Dew Livewire. Whoa. God. Does it taste like Livewire or does it taste like butt? Oh, that's good. Oh, fuck. Damn it. That's good. I'm My sitting here drinking got fucking these? virgin Mountain Dew Zero. No alcohol in that bad boy. Mm -mm. And we've got our ref regular and leader of today's episode. I'm going to turn it over to you, Alex. Gonna kill chaos, Kazina. I know only one thing. I want a podcast. I need to. It's not a hope or a dream. It's like a hunger, a thirst. How's it going, guys? <laughs> so good. So good. So I'm eating goldfish. My eyeball's good. Y'all are looking great. It's good. Hell yeah. So, Chad, as you just said, you're going to be turning over the podcast to me uh, because uh, I was the person that suggested that we go and play this game for this month's barf. Uh, this and three other candidates that failed to accrue enough votes. Uh, thank you for <laughs> getting us uh, to finally play through this game because this is a game that I've been meaning to come back to and finally complete for quite some time and uh while i have many thoughts to share on it i am glad that it's off my backlog um before we jump into our thoughts on this game before we even jump into our prior experiences with the final fantasy series as a whole let me give you guys a little bit of developmental background on stranger of paradise final fantasy origin mm. so this game was primarily developed by Koei Tecmo's Team Ninja uh, and published by Square Enix in celebration of the series' 35th anniversary. We will get into it when we talk about the game, but this game features a lot of tributes, a lot of character classes, a lot of things that call back to other Final Fantasy games, and that's by design, because this game is meant to be basically a send-up to the entire series. Um, the story and scenario of the game uh, were written by freelance scriptwriter uh, Kazushige Nojima, longtime Square Enix employee. Tetsuya Nomura, the man himself behind the Kingdom Hearts series, uh, created the original concept behind the game and basically acted as the game's character designer and lead creative producer. Now, here's the thing. Tetsuya Nomura. Chances are you're probably familiar with the man. Even if you've not played a Kingdom Hearts game, you've probably heard about this man making all sorts of weird and cool and funky decisions over at Square Enix. However, I feel like the men in this room might be a little bit less familiar with Kazushige Nojima, the writer on this game. And so let me That's tell you, correct. I went looking into this guy, see what his deal is, what makes him tick. And let me tell you, this guy has an interesting interesting resume uh born in 1964 he is best known for writing several installments in the final fantasy franchise namely final fantasy 7 and its spin-offs advent children and crisis core final fantasy 8 final fantasy 10 and 10 2 and many games in the kingdom hearts series outside of the final fantasy verse however he also has been responsible for writing these scripts for the glory of heracles series and Get this, the story mode for Subspace Emissary in Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Now, here's the thing. I'm sure that we all have thoughts on this game's story and the quality of its writing or lack thereof. The fact that this guy wrote Subspace Emissary for Super Smash Bros. Brawl immediately gives me 500 times more respect than I ever had for him before. Because... <laughs> The Subspace Emissary mode in Brawl might not be the peak of video game storytelling, but that is an impossible story to write, because that story mode is, here are 35 characters that don't talk. 
here's Samus and right. Link and Pikachu and Yoshi and Fox and so on and so forth, all doing their own thing, all trying to save the world from this villain that's trying to suck everything into this like nether realm. Nobody talks at any point. And so the fact that he figured out a way to write that quote unquote, write is impressive. Uh, some more th information about this game's <laughs> development. Uh, what do you think the script looked like on that? Just Fox does a flip here. Um, Kirby frowns. It's one page, and it's just directions of what the characters... It's a storyboard. There's no words. Yeah. It would be interesting if, like, there actually was dialogue on page, and then they actually got rid of that when they actually made the game. Because there are, like... There are a lot of instances that we can point to where, like, like actual dialogue or whatnot gets written for a character that doesn't actually speak or, like, speaks in code. Like, I want to say it's, like... Like, Groot from, like, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies actually has, like, actual dialogue written for his character. But then when yeah. Vin Diesel or whoever says, I am Groot, he just says, I am Groot. Um, but who knows? Uh, apparently, Tetsuya Nomura created the original idea for Final Fantasy Origin after he had finished production on Dissidia Zero Two Final Fantasy, uh, a game that's basically a decade uh, old at this point, which means he's actually been holding on to the kernel of what this game would become for quite some time. Uh, apparently, one later approach about a new Final Fantasy concept, he basically combined this initial concept with a different concept of a game series focused on Final Fantasy's villain Garland, uh, and had this idea of having him be this angry, older protagonist that would be going around doing brutal stuff his idea was i want to create a brutal final fantasy game that feels separate from the rest of the franchise while still having enough connections to the rest of it um and the gameplay of the game uh, was basically meant to try to emulate team ninja's known style of challenging action combat uh, before this game team ninja had previously worked with square enix on dissidia final fantasy nt which kind of wraps this up all in a big bow because of course Tetsuya Nomura previously got this idea working on Dissidia 02. Uh, or, sorry, Dissidia 012. These names, let me tell you, Chad, I don't know if you know this, these names really hard to keep track of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this game, of course, was unveiled at Square Enix's E3 2021 press conference. I remember going into that press conference, there being a lot of buzz about this game because this is one of those games that semi leaked ahead of time. And I think a lot of people were really excited by the idea of a Soulsborne like game set in the world of the original Final Fantasy. And then I feel like expectations were very quickly tempered when the first trailer for the game was shown off. A lot of people were very quick to be critical of the whole oh, I'm here to kill chaos stuff. Although I will say, I will say, and maybe this is just me. I do think that by that point, a lot of people were really just plum tired out by E3 2021 in general. Because I don't know if you remember, but that was the E3 where everybody did a press conference. Like, oh, we're the PC Super Game mm. Fun Club. We're going to do a press conference <laughs> for two hours where we announced nothing. And I think that by that point, everyone's like, enough, just enough already. Now, to be fair, that Square Enix press conference didn't have a whole lot of other stuff to it either. It also had, what was that really bad game that got canceled? Not canceled, but like... Uh, Babylon's Fall, Babylon's baby. Fall, there we go. They mm. also showed off Babylon's Fall at that particular press conference, and they also showed off uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a good game, but I think that in the moment, a lot of people kind of looked at that game or were like, ah, is this going to be another Marvel's Avengers um, so yeah, who's to say whether or not that game would have maybe previewed a little bit better under different circumstances. Nevertheless, uh, a lot of people were, if you remember, not able to immediately jump into that game's demo, which Square Enix advertised yeah. <laughs> during their press conference, because the demo apparently borked out and was broken for two days, uh, after its That's reveal. Right. Uh, eventually. I forgot I never played that that first. It, it, it did eventually get fixed, but like my interest for it was gone by the time it got fixed. So I never actually played that first demo. I played it once they fixed it, and I enjoyed it fine at the time. Uh, but yeah, definitely not not a great look for this game right out of the get go. Um, let's go ahead and let's jump slowly, start to wade into the swimming pool here. Slowly get our feet wet. I want to chat with you guys real quick. What exactly? are your experiences impressions of the final fantasy series as a whole adam 
<laughs> this is the first one I've beaten, so thanks for that. This is a fun starting point. Now, this is it, really. I played... When 10 came out, I played a couple hours of 10 and then stopped. Um, and then I literally <laughs> haven't played a Final Fantasy until we decided to play Stranger of Paradise. Uh, Teen Fuckers back a lot. So <laughs> this is... Again, I know what Final Fantasy is, of course. <laughs> Um, but as far as playing it, no, 10, and then this was it. So this is the majority, this is 99% of my time playing Final Fantasy. Did you try out the original Kingdom Hearts back in the day when Respawning Fire did it as part of their barf? No. Okay. So, Chad, I get the sense that you have a little bit more experience with Final Fantasy than Adam does, but probably not a lot. Am I correct? I have played and beat Final Fantasy 3, 4, 5, 6, oh. 7, 7 Remake. Okay. Crisis Core, the first one. My bad. Um, I did, I did nine, not know that you had this ten. much experience. Yep, 9, 10, 15, and uh, have tried Final Fantasy 8 twice, 10, 2, and Type 0. And I played up to cleansing the second crystal in Final Fantasy 1 in the Pixel Remaster on my phone last year. So I've played a lot of Final Fantasy. And I, I enjoy, I just enjoy a good JRPG once in a while. Did you play any um, of the Kingdom Hearts beyond Kingdom Hearts 1? No, I just played Kingdom Hearts 1 and did not like that game. <laughs> oh, <I'll, laughs> that stupid gunship. I, I played Kingdom Hearts 3 and then stopped an hour in. Excuse me, I did play Kingdom Hearts 3. All right, fair enough. Um, oh, and Final Fantasy Theater Rhythm for life, baby! Oh, yes, of course, of course. So, <clears throat> yeah, my Final Fantasy experience is uh, a little bit more spotty. Of course, I've played all of the Kingdom Hearts games, even like the weird mobile spinoffs and whatnot. When it comes to core Final Fantasy games, however, I played and beat Final Fantasy VII Remake, played, beat, and platinumed uh, Final Fantasy XIII. I actually enjoyed that game quite a bit. That game obviously has its problems. I actually had fun with that one. And I have dabbled here and there with other games. I tried Final Fantasy XIII 2 for a little bit. I tried like a couple of the spinoffs. I definitely gave one of the prior Fiat Rhythm games, I want to say it was a 3DS Fiat Rhythm game, a little bit of a go, but I didn't play that much more beyond that. Um... And so I was somewhat prepared for what I was getting into with this game, but I wouldn't call myself a Final Fantasy aficionado the way that I would probably call you that, Chad. Um, so, yeah. Well, I oh, feel yeah, like... I've also, I've also played and beat the original Dissidia on PSP. Oh, wow. And Did you play... Uh, yeah, yeah I've, I've... Did you play Zero One Two, a.k.a. Duodecim? I did. I did play a little bit of Duodecim, and I played the demo for NT when that came out a few years ago. Okay. I, okay. I just enjoy. I enjoy the monsters, the world, the the magical goddamn shit of this whole game. I just, well, so I, I'm a, I'm a fan of it. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's use that as but an opportunity. But at the same time, I could I could admit. Like there's some there's some tropes that are like super tired and super Japanese and some awful dialogue. So let's use that as an opportunity to kind of slide into our thoughts on this game. I, I am curious, like you obviously, you know, saw a lot of the trailers for this game prior to its release. You saw the way it was, you know, critically received uh, both prior to its release and upon its release. Were you deterred from playing this game at launch because you're like, ah, this doesn't really seem like my thing, doesn't really seem like a good use of my time, or was it more a thing of like, no, nah, I'm not going to play every single Final Fantasy game, and this looks okay, but I don't need to be a completionist about it. I <clears throat> I played this game, I played the second demo they released, Got it. which was shortly before launch. I played the second demo. And I absolutely hated it. And I came back on the show and I said, this is going to be a terrible, bad game. And at the time, I think you and I both remarked on Twitter or maybe on the podcast where like, at the time, there was some really awful looking character models. There was some terrible looking textures on like some of the environment. And I was like, this game looks bad a lot of the time. The dialogue is awful. It's just, oh, we're kill chaos. And then one of the the main problems I had with the final game too, but like was very present in the demo, is that they just dumped all the combat on you without context right from the beginning, and I, it felt overwhelming. So I was like, no, this game's bad, not going to play it at all. And then people 
when when it came out, I saw a lot of people on Twitter being like, holy shit, the end of this game is worth playing the whole game, and it is wild, and it blows your mind. You're like, what? The? And I was like, god damn it. Now I gotta play this game. So it's been on my, like, it's been on my list of things to play, and I... Every three or four weeks since it came out, I'd go and check the eShop, or the not the eShop, the PlayStation Store, and be like, is it on sale? Mm, not on sale for enough. Yeah. Is it on sale? Mm, not on sale for enough. It, like, ultimately, so this was an opportunity to force me to play it. You know, it, it's up to the discretion of publishers to decide whether or not they want to put these games on sale. But, like, this is, like, the perfect example of a game that would be perfectly at home at, like, a sweet $20. Like, I, I think oh, anything yeah. more than that is, like, pushing things a little bit. Adam, what did you think about Stranger of Paradise Final Fantasy Origin? I thought it was okay, I suppose. There are things about it that I think are bad, but then I was like, oh, the combat's actually pretty fun, which reminded me, because I recently played Wolong, I'm like, oh, yes, Team Ninja just has the same combat in all their games, and it's fun, because it's yeah. very similar <laughs> to Wolong. Um, but I was like, no, it's cool. Like, I like the the block, the counter, switching jobs. Like, I enjoy playing combat. Um, I guess we'll get into a little bit, but, like, the meme stuff of the still like, oh, my God, this game's so cringy. I just, I didn't find it to be that cringy. I just thought it'd be, like, the problem is, again, like Chet says, at the end of the game, it completely changes. But at the beginning of the game, it's, like, one-minute cutscenes. And he's like, I hate chaos, and then it cuts off, and I'm like... I mean, that was bad, but, like, I'm not like, oh, my God, that's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever had. It's like, it's not meme-worthy. It is funny when he said, I don't give a fuck who you are. I'll give him that. That was a good line. But I was just like, I don't see where people were like, oh, my God, it's so it's so much. I'm like, no, it just seems like, it seems generic. It seems bland yeah. and generic. Like, I don't remember any of the teammates' names. Nope. I think it's Ashley and Jebediah or something like Jack, that. Jack, <laughs> um, Ash, Jed, <clears throat> Neon, and Sophia. And there Sophia, we go. yeah, they're, that sounds, they're sounds wet right. blankets. They're not interesting. The story again gets interesting <laughs> near the end. Again, I, if I'd known Final Fantasy, maybe it hit a little harder earlier on. But like, I think the game is fun. Like, it's a fun video game. I think that the story and stuff is pointless and doesn't matter. I don't think that's enough to make it a bad game. But I also wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you know, I'd be like, this game is like a solid six point five or seven. Mm. It's like if you like this kind of corny shit and this kind of combat, go for it. Otherwise, like, I would not. I do think it's ugly. There are points where it's like, oh, that's a cool landscape. But overall, it's like, oh, this feels like I'm playing a 360 game. We, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier. This game definitely were, th This game definitely looked way worse at launch. At launch, it looked like downright abysmal. Yeah. Now it looks fine. It, it, it definitely a looks a little bit worse for wear in some places, but it's overall not bad. IMO. I think it's a Team Ninja thing. I feel like they just don't have budget or maybe just not great yeah. artists because Well Long, also very cool game, current gen, also doesn't look great. I think it's just a Team Ninja thing because I don't think any of their games look. It's a lot of grays and browns and like smeary textures. And then once in a while, it's like, and oh, that enemy looks really cool. You know and what? It, you know what it reminds? Like it reminded me playing this game the way that it looks. It reminded me. It's like it ha it hasn't advanced since Ninja Gaiden Black on Xbox, like Xbox One. Not sorry, not Xbox One. The original Xbox. Mm. This is what I remember that looking like, and it's like they 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 have not improved their their graphics or their engine since. Yeah, but overall, it's fine. I think it's alright. I don't think the meme stuff is as cringy as people say. I also don't think the story is wonderful until like the last three hours of the game. Mm. Combat's fun enough. But it's all right, I guess. I didn't hate it, didn't love it. It feels you, like how I felt when I walked out of uh, the first Suicide Squad movie. I was like, I like the actors, but the movie's mm -hmm. not good. So I guess I'm sitting in the middle. Chat. You mentioned the the short cutscenes at the beginning. I think one of my favorite parts, like, there's like a one-minute cutscene. And then there's just a black screen with text on it that says... The king asked him to go do this thing, and they did it. And now they're back again. <laughs> and then it goes into another cutscene. It's like... What the fuck am I? It, I should play this. It's a game. I should play me going to do the thing the king asked, or I should be able to see it happen. You just have two sentences on the screen describing that they did a thing. Yeah. That was oh, I will that say, was laughable to me. Last thing, level design. It's weird. Either it's very bad or it's like pretty interesting. Like Cornelia, mm -hmm. it's literally like a walkway, a circle with yeah. a fountain, yeah. and another walkway, and that is you do that like three times. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what is this? But then there are levels where it's like, okay, yeah. they lap on top of each other. It's kind of a the, the thing, chaos but. shrine is like a pretty solid level, and I think they were smart of them to put that at the beginning of the game because that's definitely one of the stronger levels in it. Um, 
You might be surprised to learn, Adam, that I'm actually not too dissimilar from you in terms of your overall thoughts on the game. Um, the beginning of this game is a shotgun blast of humor and sanity, intentional or not. And as I progressed through this game's early chapters, I was like really kind of hoping slash expecting that the game would kind of keep up that tone. And I was kind of disappointed by just how straight so much of the game plays itself. It's not really funny, like intentionally or otherwise. And honestly, that was kind of a big letdown for me. Uh, the combat is a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun experimenting with switching between different jobs, even though I didn't necessarily love all of them. I thought that the uh, design of a lot of the bosses was great, both the like visual design, but also just the encounter design itself, learning their tells, uh, exploiting their weaknesses. Uh, there was a lot of fun to be had there. I uh, especially had a lot of fun uh, fighting Tiamat, which is the uh, multi-headed dragon boss that you fight somewhat early on. That game, that boss, really kicked my ass, but learning how to get better at the game, experimenting with different classes, and ultimately beating it was a really satisfying experience. Um, overall, though, I just found myself throughout the duration of the game being like, man, this is not what I was expecting it to be. I thought this game was going to be just like a meme machine from front to back, from stem to stern, but it really is like, it, it really doesn't go out of its way to be that, that outlandish and insane until, as we've said many times so far, it's final few hours. And it is pretty insane once it finally gets there. Um, but I kind of just re reflecting back on the experience, I was kind of like, man, I just wish this was a little bit more consistent throughout in terms of this insanity, in terms of this chaos. I'll say one final thing, just because I didn't mention it. Uh, no one's mentioned it yet. Again, all the things you said about the game, I still believe true. Probably the worst inventory system I've ever played in a video oh, game. Oh, God. Yeah. Holy shit. It's not it's terrible. Like, you killed three enemies. Here's seven new pieces of gear every single time i'm like and you have a limit <laughs> yeah it's like you want to constantly stop to go through your sword because it has a plus one on it have fun it, it's simultaneously oh, it's like one of the worst inventory systems in a video game of all time but it also like has like more options and customization features than you could possibly ask for like the the amount of customization that you can do on the auto recycle button not, not the auto recycle button but like when you complete a quest, you have the option to automatically recycle gear that you don't want to use anymore. And the sheer number of like ways that you can customize that like auto recycle function are like insanely extensive. But ultimately, I was like, I feel like you could have just simplified this whole thing. The fact that this, yeah, this exists is like, I think, exactly. indicative of this Why game not this fully game? working. Yeah, I was like, oh, thanks for giving me all these options to customize what to get rid of. How about just don't give me, I'm not exaggerating, 150, 200 pieces of gear per mission you do. Yeah. It's insane. <clears throat> but Chad, despite all these issues, I feel like you have some glowing thoughts to share on your time with this game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk first about the things I didn't love or enjoy real quick. And then I'll end with like why I was still drawn to this game at the end. Um, I, I mentioned already that like the beginning was a shotgun blast of just like, it was so much combat information telling you about, here's how you do all of these different types of moves. And here's this one gameplay system that you need to learn about parrying. And then here's also a blocking mechanic. And then here's also a different parrying mechanic. And then here's also how you're going to do your job. And it's like literally just nothing but waves of text screens telling you how to do all of that. And I... There was no way I was going to retain all of that information. And I also don't remember loving the combat from the demo. So I just started the game on story difficulty. I didn't go down. There's there's like one step below story difficulty yeah. you can enable later where it's just like, no, everything straight up just dies in one hit, basically. But I just did story. Um, and, and I did experiment with some jobs. And, and, and this, the combat reminded me a lot of like of Ninja Gaiden, which makes sense for um, Ninja Theory. Um, it reminded me of Ninja Gaiden mixed with like trying to throw in elements from some of the later Final Fantasy games, like 15 or 7 Remake or something like that. Um, and I just, I didn't, I didn't jive with it. So I basically, as soon as I unlocked the Sage job, 
which was like you had to do a, a black mage and then a white mage and then you could mm -hmm. level them both up and become a sage and have access to both magic. You know me, I'm a magic, I'm a warlock for life, baby. Um, as soon as I unlocked that, I stopped experimenting with anything else and I just magic things to death wow. over and over. And did, I did you ever? Did you ever bump up the difficulty? Because I didn't mention this earlier. I actually bumped the difficulty up to hard because I was like enjoying the combat system enough that I was like, I'll give myself a little bit of a challenge. I ultimately bumped it down to casual for just the final boss because the first phase that was a little bit too much for me to handle. But I actually played most of that game on hard and didn't really have much of an issue with it. I didn't bump up the difficulty because I don't think that I would have gotten any kind of... I didn't feel like if I... If I mastered that uh combat system that i would feel good <laughs> it's mm. it's not it's not to me like a oh i feel accomplished in a dark souls way it's just like oh man this is a lot of work just to get through these three water elementals so i just kept it where it was which it it let me appreciate a lot of the enemy design and like their their moves and things like that while also being like oh that's a cool enemy it's dead now and then we get to the final boss of of whatever thing we're on oh that's a cool enemy i cast ultima once and then I do the circle thing to like smash it into crystals. I cast ultimate again and it's dead. So like every boss was just two moves for me. And it was it was a great way for me to go through this game and appreciate visually what they have done without having to invest a lot of time into learning the combat. But um, so, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the combat a lot, but I also didn't give it a shot. But here's where I think things turned around. And it's I, I went into this game not knowing what it was. My understanding was it's kind of a retelling of the story of Final Fantasy One, which, as I mentioned earlier, I've only played up through like cleansing the second crystal of that game. So I don't know what happens in Final Fantasy One. I. I didn't know about the time travel stuff that was already in the first game. And so when pieces of that started like coming into this game and we're talking about the Lufenians and how they're and you read some of these these lore orbs that you pick up and they're talking about other dimensions and how we're starting to figure out like I've repeated this level several times in the past, but I can't remember it. And all like that immediately like roped me and I was like, oh. This isn't just a retelling of it. This is like a different thing entirely just set in the world of Final Fantasy 1. So like using the crystals as a way to link it together. I had no idea that it was basically a, a it was like a Joker origin story. It was like here's how freaking it was Joker to the Dark Knight like the 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 movie when we tell the origin story of whatever the fuck this guy's it starts with a G. It's not Gomez. It's not Garland. Garland, thank you. Miss Garland. Every time I Google Garland Final Fantasy, it's like, here's a good Christmas decoration. Um, <laughs> so I had no idea it was that origin story. And as I started, I knew there was the the general trope of like, there are four crystals and one day four warriors of light are going to come. And so like when there were three, I was like, man, this game's stupid. Why do you have a team size of three if it's supposed to be four warriors of light? This doesn't make sense. And then you get five team members. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing with this game series? And then they're t and then I started to see like, oh, oh, maybe one of them's not. There's an imposter in there, and one of them's not the and one of them turns into Garland. I was like, God, if I Gomez is on the mind. But as soon as I started to realize late into the game that it's like there are no warriors of light in this right now, and so I was like, oh. And then you start to realize, oh, you are becoming chaos. And, you, and I was like, oh, that is a really, really cool twist. And I started to feel like, holy shit, this is this is like Christopher Nolan. I'm like, and we're going back in time, and there's time loops and all this kind of stuff. And then you have to kill your friends, Alex. Like that. That was the, this is. It was such a cool twist for me when you're like, the whole game has been leading up to your friends figuring things out and remembering things, and be like, all right time for you to kill us now so that you can be sad and let your emotions take over and become chaos so that we can eventually come back to life as monsters and save the world somehow so like all of these twists towards the end just completely i was on board with all of it it was all new to me because i didn't know that the time to the 2000 year loop was already an established thing and i think that was that made it better for me not knowing that time travel and the loop was part of the original story and just kind of experiencing that firsthand myself and then yeah, at, at how it, at how the main game ends with you becoming Garland and you see just the silhouette of the four warriors of light coming in from the original Final Fantasy game to kill you. And it's just like, that was so cool. And then Alex, and then Adam, 
There's DLC for this game. Which I did not play. Normally, I try to be very completionist about these things, but I got to the end of this game and I was like, I'll, I'll probably check these out at some point. I don't need to check them out right now. Yeah, I did not play it either, but I watched like an eight-minute video overview of it where there's like a, a Moogle that comes in from the world of Dissidia and is like, hey, there's a lot of fighting going on out here. Are you the same Garland from my world? And I, I need your help. And so you're fighting the boss. You are like Jack Garland fighting the boss from Final Fantasy 2. And then you eventually fight Lufenian lady that's been fucking your day up this whole time and resetting you over. And then... You get to the end of the DLC, and you actually play out that final battle, Garland versus the Warriors of Light. And after you kill them enough, you switch roles, and you play the Warrior of Light, and you kill Garland. Like, so that canonically it all wraps up. And it just, it was, it was such a cool, like, I, I kind of wish that I had played it rather than just, like, experiencing it that way. But all of that is to say that, like, that was what was interesting to me. I played every level as, like, a... I can't wait to get through this to one, see what the boss looks like because they're cool. And then two, see the next cutscene to see wherever this wild ass story is going. And then I'm going to spend 10 minutes selecting a lot of shit in my inventory to throw away. I'm going to hit the optimize button on my character because, and, and the optimize button was so terrible. Like it just, it just optimized things for whatever was the highest level. Right. Not, what's the right thing for my build? I'm a sage, so you should have all the it, sage. It doesn't knowledge. assign like, you armor that improves your job affinity. So if you're playing as a paladin, right. it won't automatically be like, oh, let, let's give you a lot of paladin affinity armor, which is really annoying. Right. But I, again, I, I had the combat difficulty so low that none of that even mattered one bit to me. So yeah, so it's it's tough for me I had such a good experience with this game, but I, I started thinking, like, would I have enjoyed this game if it was not Final Fantasy? If it were, if if it was not linked to that IP at all, would have I would I have had a good time? Would is it was it still a story that was worthwhile and interesting to me? And I don't know that the answer to that is yes. Like, I think I would have probably played this and be like, man, this is a mm, pretty bad game with a couple interesting story beats that I didn't care about to the end. And it sucks that you had to wait that long, but because it was final fantasy and because it had those callbacks and because like, and because there was a little bit of assumed knowledge, I think I, that's what got me to the end. And that's what made me really appreciate it a lot more than I thought I would have. This game, uh, unfortunately is one of those video games that requires you to beat it again on a higher difficulty level to get its platinum you have to beat the game on yeah. chaos difficulty which unlocks after you beat the game for the first time don't know if i'll ever get around to that but if i do i feel like this is the kind of game that i might actually appreciate a lot more second time around knowing where things are going knowing that your friends are slowly recovering their own memories and understand that at some point they're gonna have to quote unquote betray you and attempt to kill you so that you can obtain the ultimate power. I feel like that might actually make for a very interesting second playthrough. And the, sorry, one last thing that was I thought was really cool that like it's not so that you can get power necessarily. It's so that you can you can take you can let this dimension and this world have freedom of choice and the freedom from the Lufenians like resetting everything. And you are training people, the warriors of light, like you and your crew of monsters are getting so powerful so that you can train the warriors of light enough to come kill you and set the world free. And it's just like, how, how cool is that? That like they've taken a villain and made him noble in that way that he's accruing all this power just to help free everyone from this awful time loop from these Lufenians. Like, that's yeah, so when cool. they, when they go into the sci-fi stuff, cause you get early on where it's like, you go to the air crystal or whatever and it's like oh we're in a spaceship guys guys this is just a spaceship in a fantasy world but then it's like oh yeah this other dimension that we're from we're strangers they send us here so we can keep balance because they just dump their trash here and want to like take energy from this world so it's basically just a, a trash pit with people living on it and they set it whenever they want to the people in the sky do and then they're like no we're gonna set them free and i have to become chaos and then he goes to sci-fi people and he's like all right i'm gonna cut i'm gonna fight satan so that we can cut <laughs> us off and this world can be free. But then we had to train the warriors. And it's just like, it's wild as a game that starts. It's like, oh, the pirate's here. And you got to go get the water crystal. <laughs> and then yeah. it's just like, uh, it's sci-fi nonsense. And our memories are, they literally call your crystal a hard drive. 
They're like, oh, they store your memories, and then when it fills up, you gotta go get your hard drive erased. That's crazy shit. I will say, yeah. though, caught it early on, very early, as in the ver the first five seconds of the, of the game. I was like, oh, Jack is chaos. Uh, because in that, that first cutscene, when it's just like that really cool pre-rendered cutscene, and he's like, the dude's got the prince, chaos has the princess yeah. on his shoulder, and he's killing all the people. And it's like, oh, there's red crystals all over those guys. And then the first thing you do is like, turn someone into a crystal. It's like, well... There we go. It, it is, <laughs> but I did not see the sci-fi stuff come in. Like that was cool. It, I like the time loop sci-fi nonsense. It, it is also one of those things where, like, it, it is Final Fantasy tradition, and also by extension, Kingdom Hearts tradition that these games spoil the shit out of late game stuff in their trailers. And I want to say that one of the last trailers for this game revealed that Jack's last name was Garland. Because I remember it being a big thing on tr on Twitter that people are like, "Wait a minute, Garland's first name is Jack." Like, they were kind of making fun of this weird Final Fantasy trope that we've seen pop up with other characters before, where they'll have, like, a crazy last name and just, like, a super generic first name. Like, oh, Bob, or Jill, or, <laughs> you know, Hen Henry. I, I hated say, that moment, okay. the reveal, where <laughs> they're just like, all right, for no reason, we're going to now show you a couple cutscenes of where Jack and Sarah fell in love. And then they're going to go outside after after she literally says, like, the person that she, she like, something about the person that I love or something like that. Or you never forget your first love is what she said. And then they go outside and she's like, I don't know your name. And he's just, oh, it's Jack. No, silly. Your last name. Garland. Jack Garland. And there's not even, like, music or sound effects or no, like, I didn't know what the fuck it meant. In, I was like, like okay, <laughs> cool. Jack Garland, I guess. See, it's just so fun as someone who doesn't know anything about Final Fantasy. I just got to have fun with the story, but he's like, Jack Garland. I'm like, I guess that's supposed to be something that matters. Yeah. <laughs> no fucking idea. Here's the weird thing for me, too, is that, like, Garland, it, it, you probably miss it. There was, like, a in the very beginning where Sarah's like, hey, a, a knight of ours went off to go fight Chaos, and he hasn't come back. Like, I think she said his name was Garland in that. And in Final Fantasy One, the actual game... You fight Garland. He's like the first boss that you fight, and you kill him, and he dies. And I never made it far enough to realize that he comes back, and it's 2,000 years earlier. So, like, when when she's like, oh, Garland went off, I didn't know he was, like, the big bad boss. I thought I was like, oh, that's a fun throwback to the first boss from Final Fantasy 1. I'm like, no, this guy's like, he is chaos, basically, eventually. It's like, oh. Adam, I have a segment. Yes called Voice Actor Trivia. I want you to give me a song for it. It's time for Voice Actor Trivia. Welcome back to Voice Nailed Actor it. Trivia, the uh, recurring segment every now and then on Barf, where I tell you a bit of trivia about the voice actors that grace the games that we played. Last time we did this uh, for Metal Gear Solid 3, I talked a little bit about uh, the voice actors that provided the... Uh, Voices for the amazing characters in that game outside of David Hayter, because everybody knows about David Hayter. Uh, this time around, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the voice talent behind uh, the five protagonists of Stranger of Paradise. Uh, I don't want to interrupt you. Whenever you get to one of them, I, I think everything was fine. There's one voice actor I thought was actually bad, but I'll get to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jack was voiced by, I'm going to do my best to get this name right, because I don't know if this is how it's pronounced, uh, Mosean Melvin. Uh, first name spelled M-O-C-E-A-N. I don't know if that sounds right to you guys. Uh, this guy Moccasin. basically has <laughs> voiced a ton of... He's one of those people where you go on his IMDb and it's like a lot of like live action TV shows, a lot of promos and like networks and stuff. He's voiced like a lot of like radio stations across the US and Canada. It's a lot of TV stuff that I don't know about. I'm not super familiar with, except for... He apparently has done some voices on Robot Chicken and the little engine that could, the Thomas the Tank Engine show. <laughs> Very different shows. Um, Ash was voiced by Mark Neely. 
Uh, apparently, according to his IMDb, uh, he began working as a voice artist and quickly on parts in films, TV commercials, uh, national voice ads, and print work. Uh, and in Los Angeles, he has recurring roles on many soap operas. Uh, also, a lot of shows I'm not super familiar with. I went looking through it to be like, is there like one show that I can kind of shut him out from him from here that I know somebody here in this room would appreciate, but not real, really a whole lot of stuff that I know of. Uh, Jed, voiced by Alejandro Sab. Uh, now, this guy, unlike the prior two voice actors, has actually done a crap ton of video game and anime stuff, albeit nothing that I feel like the two of you would be super familiar with. Uh, he voiced the character of Naomasa Tsukauchi, uh, who is basically this detective character from My Hero Academia. Uh, he voiced Leon in the Pokemon anime. Leon is the champion in Pokemon Sword and Shield. He's like the guy with the purple hair who who's always very like directionally challenged. He has a Charizard. He's a cool guy. Uh, and he's done like a lot of additional voice work in games like Persona 5, God of War, not characters that are named unfortunately. Uh Nia. that's the guy by the way. Oh really? I thought this guy was bad. I will say <laughs> yeah. when when I first he has like ten lines, but they're bad. When I first heard him talk, I was like, "This guy definitely sounds like a kind of guy that's done a lot of anime. Like he has that kind yeah. of voice." Yep. Yep. Uh, oh no, Jack! What's gonna happen? Oh, okay, all right, kid. <laughs> Neon was voiced by Alejandra Reynoso. Uh, she's also done uh, a mix of animated TV shows and video games. Uh, she was the voice of Dawnbreaker in Dota Two. No, <laughs> clearly nobody here has any experience with Dota 2 because I don't either. Nope. I don't. Uh, nope. <laughs> she also voiced uh, Sifa S-Y-P-H-A. I'm assuming this is pronounced Sifa. Uh, Sifa Belnades in the animated Castlevania series, which I have not seen, but that's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, I've seen it. I just don't remember the character, but yeah. It's good and I mean, I'm interested in getting your guys' reaction for this. She voiced the characters of Flora and Chatta in Winx Club. Neither of you have any experience with Winx. I remember the show being on. I never watched it. it is, yeah, I remember commercials for it. Winx is one of those. It's like the perfect example of a show that I never actively watched myself, but I have seen a lot of because it's the kind of show that my sister has seen a lot of, basically. Uh, and finally, uh, Sophia was voiced by Laura Post, uh, like Alejandra. She's done a lot of TV shows and anime. Uh, her big role outside of voicing Sophia in this game is she voiced Kasumi, uh, who was the big new character that was introduced for Persona 5 Royal. In addition to all the like new features and improvements that Persona 5 Royal brought to the mix, they also introduced a big new party companion with her own storyline called Kasumi, and she voiced her. Uh, she also voiced uh, the character of Big Barda from the DC Universe in the TV show Justice League Action. Big Barda is like one of the new gods characters. Like she's sort of like in the same realm as like uh, Dark Side and those kinds of weirdy people. So she hangs out on Apocalypse, right? Right. Or or yeah, oh, yeah. not like Apocalypse, but like the other planet that Apocalypse is always feuding with. Yeah, like yeah. she's like opposed to like Dark Side and his people. She's like ten feet tall. She's a big lady. right. Uh, and uh, a, a game that we're actually tangentially familiar with, she voiced Harley Quinn in Batman The Enemy Within, the follow-up sequel oh. to the Telltale Batman game. She's very good. And that's it for voice actor trivia. Adam, sing me out. Everybody <laughs> hates Chris. <laughs> Jesus. It's been a long time since I thought about that show. Before we close out the episode, are there any other thoughts that we wanted to share? We have questions uh, from the audience. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I almost forgot. We got so deep in the weeds talking about chaos. I completely forgot about this. Uh, God, the back half of this game is good, isn't it? <laughs> give me a sec. <laughs> give me a sec. So, yes, uh, we asked you, our dear listeners, to write in uh, any questions or opinions you had about Stranger of Paradise, Final Fantasy Origin. Uh, and our good friend at DS Midi Games over on Twitter asked, uh, would Chad actually recommend anyone play this game? Oh, God. It's such a, like... If, if the question is phrased like, hey, should anyone play this game? I don't know if I could say, like, 
I can definitively say everyone should play this game. But like, if you find it on sale, <laughs> like pay 15, 20 bucks for it or Game Pass or something like that. And maybe, maybe just like, just work. If you have any interest in Final Fantasy at all, maybe this will be worth playing for you. I, I, I do think that it's like the last few hours of this game is just so cool. Uh, and all the story twists and the way that it all plays out. I don't know. Maybe maybe watch a bunch of cutscenes. If you if you're on the fence and you're like, I don't really know, should I? like I don't know, then yeah, just watch all the cutscenes on YouTube if you can find it. But if you have any interest in actually playing this game and you think the combat's actually a little fun, like play the demo. And if you enjoy that, then yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, I'll, I'll just play to the end. That's that you have to play to the end. Yeah, as as much of a slog as that might be. Uh, I'll just jump in right now and say that like. Yeah, I pretty much echo everything you're saying. This game would be absolutely perfect, immediately recommendable if it was like a sweet $20. Full priced, mm, not so much. But but it is much improved over where it was at launch. Uh, there's a lot of new features. There's a like a tremendous like facelift in terms of its overall graphical quality. Still doesn't look great, but definitely not as bad as it uh, looked back when it first released. So I'd say have an open mind if you're getting into it and definitely yeah see it to the end but like i i wouldn't say that you need to jump out and play it right away that's why i'm so glad there's a demo like play the demo and if that hooks you at all play it and play it to the end if the demo doesn't hook you don't play this game because you have to invest the whole thing adam are you are you kind of right where we're, we are or are you a little bit more on the fence yeah i mean if it sounds interesting and you can get it for cheap sure because again I, I would say if you've played team ninja and you like neo or you like well long and you also like final fantasy i but yeah check that out if that because the combat will carry you through and then the story stuff will be silly at the end or awesome so uh and finally um at underscore main quest uh tweeted at us and said in what social situation would you feel confident enough to execute a Jack Garland quip? <laughs> I mean, I guess if I was killing chaos, I'd probably feel just as confident as he feels in this game. I don't think there's any other situation. <laughs> the best one, and I said it earlier, and I would do it if you're arguing with somebody. And he's like, I don't give a fuck who you are. And he punches the Kraken. Like, that's so good. He's <laughs> like, this is my story. I'm the best. I don't give a fuck who you are. <laughs> he just goes and punches him. Like, that's the best line in the game. That's I would say that to a stranger in the street. <laughs> I I am weird in that, like, I, I don't really have, like, shame or anything like that. I, I could see myself 100% plausible that, like, I'm just standing in the line at the grocery store. <laughs> No one that I know is around me. And I'll just say for no reason to the person behind me, I'm going to kill chaos. <laughs> like, I can see myself anywhere just saying something stupid that comes out of this guy's mouth. <sighs> Before we close out for the evening, I have one last thing I want to say. One last thing that I want to fly by, you guys. So, this game hasn't done especially well commercially. Uh, apparently, uh, its retail launch in Japan last year was the fourth, uh, fourth worst of any Final Fantasy spinoff game. Uh, it didn't do absolutely abysmally, but it wasn't exactly a breakout success either. Uh, no, uh, Tetsuya Nomura actually had an interview with Noisy Pixel at the beginning of the year, where he was sort of asked about the future prospects of the kind of Stranger Paradise brand, and he had this to say. Uh, when Stranger Paradise Final Fantasy Origin first came out, there was a lot of negative bashing, especially online. However, I'm pleased to say that everyone watching this livestream has grown very fond of Jack and his friends, uh, so much so that some would love to see a sequel. And if you do want that to happen, then it would certainly help if one person watching this spread the news to 10 other people. If word of mouth gets out about the game and it spreads and through the DLC's completion, proving that this is a title that has really resonated with everyone, there may be a time where we can meet again. So not exactly the kind of greatest show of confidence. I think there's the absolute possibility that we will live in a timeline in which we will never get a sequel to this game. 
Here's what I'm going to say, though. Here's what I'm going to say. I bet you dollars to donuts, dollars to donuts, that Jack Garland and possibly his companions cameo in a major way in Kingdom Hearts 4. You go back in time, and the Kingdom Hearts series is rife with cameos of other Final Fantasy characters. And not just Final Fantasy characters, but Final Fantasy characters and Final Fantasy adjacent characters that appeared in games that Tetsuya Nomura was heavily involved with, including The World Ends With You. In the 2013 game Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, the entire cast of The World Ends With You cameoed in that game in a not insignificant part. And I would not be surprised if Tetsuya Nomura is like, you know what? I'm never going to get another chance at doing another Stranger of Paradise game. Let's just shove these guys into Final uh, Kingdom Hearts 4. Let's give him one last chance in the limelight in this game. You heard it here first. That'd be fun. Heard it here first. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> he like looks at Mickey. He's like, I've got to kill Chaos. Mickey's like, oh, boy. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if... Like, especially after seeing this, the the DLC and the way that that ends, like, I feel like Stranger of Paradise, like, is wrapped up, like, the story. But I, I do hope, I, I enjoyed the fact that they took a property that existed in Final Fantasy and they, like, gave it a completely different play style and they, and they made, they made something new in that world in a different game. And I thought that was cool. And so I would love for them to see it take other, like it doesn't have to be necessarily team ninja style, but it could be a different type of game in the world of final fantasy two or final fantasy five or whatever it is. Like I, I want to encourage that behavior of taking these IP and doing cool things with them in different ways. Cool. All right. I think that's it. Awesome. Thank you, Alex, for taking us through that. Uh, reminder, patreon.com slash fires where you can influence us to play things in the future. And one of you did. <laughs> one of you exercised your privilege to vote, and you voted on the barf poll for Gora Goa. And then our Twitter users, we've been, you know, for the past few months, Twitter now has a little bit of influence over it. They voted for Minute, which counted as one vote. And so... As a group, we've decided to break the tie, and we are playing Minute in the month of May. It is a short indie game, so it should be a pretty easy one for everyone uh, to get through. So uh, join us at the end of the month if you'd like to tell us about your thoughts on Minute. You can just write in if you want. You can be on the show. You can you can write it in a letter, babe. Remember that song from the 90s? Yeah, the old yes, 1900s song. <laughs> 1900s. All right. That's it, everybody. Thanks for watching. Uh, Alex, where can folks find you outside of this podcast network? You can find me over on Twitter at Alex Kazina, A-L-E-X-K-O-Z-I-N-A. Adam, where can people find you? On Twitter at Adam Gumby or Isle of Mr. Rolls D&D podcast, which is coming to an end for series one. What? We're nearing the end, but we're going to be done relatively soon. So be there for the finale. And you can find me in a Safeway somewhere in California screaming about chaos. A little bit. <laughs> uh, until next time, Adam wants me to say, I have a feeling I'm missing something. I can't seem to remember what it is. Hmm. I forgot. <laughs>